Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, MPs are back in the House of Commons today with a focus on the budget. What we demonstrated with this budget was a way of being there to support families without making it worse by remaining fiscally responsible. The Conservative leadership race puts a spotlight on affordability. We're already trying to save up for houses and stuff, but it's so hard because of living day to day, like the prices of day to day is just too much. And government officials speak out against sexual violence in Ukraine. One of the things that is happening is the systematic rape of Ukrainian women and children. Rape is being used as a weapon in this war and I want the women of Ukraine to know that we see them, we are not going to forget, and we will work with Ukraine and with our democratic allies around the world to bring the perpetrators to justice. It's Monday, April 25th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by Peter Van Dusen, CPAC's executive producer and the host of Primetime Politics. Good morning, Peter. Morning, Mark. Parliament resumes today, and uh, I think we're still in in kind of the post-budget period. So what are you expecting the major themes to be as MPs return to the House of Commons? Uh, Well, clearly, certainly uh, legislatively and procedurally, we're still in the post-budget period. As we know, just the House was back from a two-week constituency break. And just before they went away, the finance minister uh, tabled the budget. Uh, so there'll be debate on a couple of things to watch this week. Um, they'll likely be, you know, anticlimactic as uh, the budget debate continues today through Wednesday. There'll be a couple of key votes on uh, opposition amendments to the budget, which they, uh, under the you know parliamentary rules, they have the right to propose. Uh, amendments to the budget, uh, two of the opposition parties. So the, the Conservatives, uh, you know, basically want the budget uh, rewritten to include all of the things they believe the government missed out on. So do, uh, so does the Bloc Québécois. But because of this deal we know about, Mark, uh, this uh, supply and confidence deal between the Liberals and the Democrats, um, the NDP is going to be siding with, uh, unless we see something very different in the next uh, 72 hours, and the NDP is expected to side with the government on these key uh, um, opposition amendment votes. So they'll uh, they'll be defeated with uh, with the uh, Liberals and New Democrats voting together. So, and then the key vote will be on uh, on Wednesday, and uh, it, which is the vote on uh, parliamentary support for the government's um, you know the government's direction in the budget, not so much the specifics of it, but the direction of the budget. And given the NDP deal, we'd expect it to pass then too. So, focus will be on uh, the budget issues of affordability, the housing measures that were contained in the budget, and the other thing to watch for is there'll be uh, some uh, continuing parliamentary hearings of this special committee looking into the government's use of the Emergencies Act uh, during the uh, uh, the uh, anti-vaccine mandate demonstration and the convoy that took place on Parliament Hill that everybody's familiar with. So. Uh, those will be uh, sort of two of the key focuses this week on Parliament Hill. Yeah. And tied into the budget, Peter, uh, we're, we saw inflation uh, numbers last week announced, and they were at the highest level in more than three decades. And I know the Conservatives are tapping into that. The official opposition is raising questions about that. I'm sure they'll be doing that 
in question period and in the House of Commons and, and around the foyer of the House of Commons. And and we'll see it probably discussed even more on the leadership campaign trail for the Conservatives, uh, this issue of rising costs and affordability. Absolutely. Um, you know, issues around the economy, notwithstanding uh, some of the key uh, international uh, challenges that Canada and other countries have been dealing with that, in, that include in, in some measure inflation, but the war in Ukraine, uh, the ongoing pandemic, and, and you know, wave after wave of that, uh, as Canada continues to deal with that, as, as uh, do other countries. But, you know, under underpinning the broader conversation in the country are, continues to be questions about affordability, housing, inflation, cost of living, gasoline prices, food prices, all of that. And I think what's really interesting is it's, it's do, it'll dominate the conversation in the in the conservative leadership race, as it largely has, uh, largely because of the efforts of uh, Pierre Poliev to talk about freedom and affordability and making that the focus of his campaign and as the perceived front runner it means that everybody else has to talk about it as well so we're going to hear about it on uh, continue to hear about it on that front and it, it you know raises an interesting um sort of runway issue i would call it in terms of uh conversation and, and developments over time because you know you and i just talked about the uh, the deal between the ndp and the liberals that keeps the liberals in power as long as it holds for the next three years so whoever wins the conservative leadership race when that's you know announced in in september uh has a lot of runway uh before they will actually likely have to contest an election and i think where that gets interesting is is you know I, I, most elections are about the economy and i expect the next election to be about that as well, but you know this can this can go a couple of different ways. The government, you know, has put forward a budget. It says we'll deal with these challenges around housing and affordability. Well, they've got three years to prove it, and if it if that doesn't work, uh, the conservatives have three years to build a narrative uh, about uh, the failure to tackle these affordability issues. So. You know, I think the next number of months and how this plays out, not just in the Conservative campaign, but uh, how quickly uh, we see changes uh, being made that the government can, you know, tie back to the budget and how quickly Canadians could see an improvement in in the economic challenges they face. Uh, this could be the story and the narrative that we're talking about for the next couple of years here, Mark. Yeah. And just to touch a little further on the conservative leadership race, we're about two weeks away, just over two weeks away from the first leadership debate on May the 11th in Edmonton. And um, and I, I know that there are lots of questions around, can anybody catch Pierre Poiliev? He's been drawing big crowds to his rallies. But of course, this is a race in terms of who can sign up the most members, not who can right. draw the most people to the to their events, although those things might be related. Um, what, what are your thoughts on this next period as we head into some leadership debates in the month of May? Yeah, I think we will you know, be paying really close attention to uh, who, who's actually on the debate stage, you know, when they, they have to pass a, a couple of hurdles between now and then in terms of uh, financing and so on. So who's actually on the debate stage? And, um, you know, we, we've seen in past leadership races where conservatives have uh, you know, six and eight and 10 and 12 
candidates and and you know and sort of two stages of of debate night and so on uh it get it can get kind of muddy and murky but clearly there's going to be you know uh two or three front runners on any debate stage it'd, it'd be Jean Charest and Pierre Polyev and uh Leslie Lewis and Patrick Brown uh, I think those are the sort of key ones you watch for and so the dynamics will be interesting once we get to the debate because the kind of language we've seen um, particularly in social media, but in you know in some interviews and some public statements uh, from the Polyev camp in particular, have been you know very pointed and very uh, very critical uh, of the other candidates in the race. And some some of them are starting to step it up, as you know we've seen Jean Charest uh, punching back a little bit. I'll be interested to see how that plays out on a debate stage, uh, because I think that'll be an important dynamic. Because at that point, Mark, it's not just a, you know, it's it's a conservative uh, leadership debate, but uh, more than just conservatives are likely to be watching. And so, I'll be interested to see the dynamics and and whether you know the debate becomes poisonous, and whether people look at that and go, you know, not interested in that, uh, or you know whether it really does focus on differences in. Uh, in, in policies and differences in approach as opposed to who has the right to be a candidate given on past positions they've taken or, or past parties they were leaders of. Yeah. All right, Peter, let's turn to the situation in Ukraine and Canada's response to it. Um, there, There's a growing sense that this is going to be a prolonged conflict, which I think raises questions about what Canada's role can be in such a, a long drawn out battle. Um, meanwhile, Foreign Affairs Minister Melanie Jolie is uh, she combined with her with a with a cabinet minister from the UK, Liz Trust, uh, was was speaking out on the weekend about the use of sexual violence as a weapon in that conflict. So, what do you see as as Canada's role, given the 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 new understanding that we have about about this conflict? Well, I think you've you've essentially identified it, Mark. I think it's it's more of what Canada uh, is seen to do well. Uh, you know, we we uh, clearly have limitations in how much uh, military support we can provide. Uh, we're doing what we can. We we just sending them, you know, a, a four howitzer, uh, you know, heavy, heavy artillery guns. Uh, we're sending what else we can. We're going to be buying them some equipment and sending it over uh, while we try to replenish our own supplies as well uh, so as to keep the Canadian military, uh, you know, um, as ready as possible. But throughout the conflict, since the beginning of it, Canada, you know, has, has been a louder voice on the sort of diplomatic uh, stage and on the search for answers stage, if I can put it that way. And, and when you hear Melanie Jolie, uh, the foreign affairs minister on the weekend, talking about uh, the need to investigate, you know, uh, war crimes and sexual assault uh, as a war crime, uh, that's the kind of thing I think that other countries will be turning to Canada to, to lead and to push. And that is, at some point, you get to the phase in a conflict, and it, it's, it's not clear to me. Uh, uh, you know, I don't know as much about these things as others. Uh, at some point, it gets the, to, to a phase where you begin to uh, look past the conflict and investigating what happened during the conflict and these allegations of, of war crimes. Uh, how much time until you get to that point? I mean, there's still a war going on, and I don't know how 
you know, how quickly an investigation can begin to look at uh, the allegations of war crimes, the accusations of war crimes, and who the people being accused are and how you bring them to justice. But I think I think you'll see the Canadian government taking um, more and more of a leadership role in that aspect, aspect, standing up to say, look, is, is this, if this is going to be a prolonged conflict, we see a role for trying to move forward the process of holding people to account. All right. Lots to think about as Parliament resumes. Peter, thank you so much for joining us today. All right. Always great to talk to you, Mark. Take care. At CPAC's Peter Van Dusen. Russia is committing war crimes right now, even as we are sitting here. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the National Post, Derek Burney argues, the longer the war in Ukraine lasts, the more murky prospects for victory and peace become. Bernie writes, The Western response to Russia's invasion of Ukraine has been less than sterling. Vladimir Putin has no time for diplomatic entreaties. Like any bully, he will only respond to credible shows of strength. The Ukrainians deserve much better from the West. Instead of hand-wringing about the risks of escalation or provocation, NATO allies must quickly bolster and broaden commitments to defend Ukraine's sovereign territory against Putin's ruthless new battle plan and firmly compel Russia to stand down. Otherwise, we risk witnessing an effort by the West to fight Russia to the last Ukrainian. In the conversation, Paul T. Mitchell asks how Canada would approach the prospect of war. Mitchell writes... Russia's ongoing assault on Ukraine is a visible manifestation of the return of great power competition. Both Russia and China are carving out what they see as their natural spheres of interest. Rather than simply throwing money at our crumbling military, we need to carefully consider Canada's strategy in this hostile new world and build it to reflect that approach. Simply rebuilding the military we slowly gave up during the Cold War will not address the challenges of the coming era. In the Toronto Star, Jamie Watt argues Pierre Poiliev has muted electability challenges and is emerging as a prime minister in waiting. Watt writes, it's less than two weeks from the Conservative Party's first leadership debate, and Pierre Poiliev has established himself as the clear frontrunner. The extent of his lead is such that his competitors have stopped contesting the popularity of his events. Maintaining party enthusiasm while growing the tent has been an unmanageable balancing act for his two predecessors. But with every jam-packed rally, Poiliev moves that much closer to getting the keys to Stornoway and setting his sights on a bigger target. Now, here's what's coming up on today's political agenda. The Prime Minister will meet with members of the Parliamentary Internship Program. Deputy Prime Minister Christia Freeland will attend question period. Defence Minister Anita Anand will take part in a virtual event regarding the release of the Minister of National Defense's advisory panel final report on systemic racism and discrimination. Justice Minister David Lametti will make an announcement about official languages in the province of Manitoba. Health Minister Jean-Yves Duclos will be in Montreal to announce the funding of a new national research platform focused on COVID-19 and its effects on children. And in Toronto, Mental Health Minister Carolyn Bennett will announce funding for Mental Health Crisis Support Services. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Monday, April 25th. Tune in to Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.